Who were we before shame told us we weren't enough? I asked myself that question three years ago and I haven't stopped since. You see, shame tells us that we're alone in how we feel, that it doesn't matter what we think or say or believe. Every part of us that feels unfindable, unreachable, unseeable, unlovable has shame in it. And I believe so fervently that there is power in speaking to that shame. So join me as we reclaim the space that shame has taken up. Hey, you. You're incredible, you know that? I'm really proud of you. Thanks for spending your time with me. My name is Emily Stearman, and I am your host of Speaking to Shame. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how shame spreads. I think of shame as a foreign entity. We're introduced to it. It doesn't show up until we're given it or shown it. Think of little kids. Uh, And if you'd like an awesome analogy of this, listen to episode two, where a therapist and shame slayer, that's what I call her, (laughs) Erica Nordfeld uh, explains little kids' relationship to shame. So think of little kids and all the ways they live their lives without shame. We don't come here with shame. We're given shame. It's helped me a lot to picture shame as an object, like a germ. It sits on doorknobs or phones or countertops, and then when our hands touch it, we carry it to the person we shake hands with or high five. And then before we know it, we've got a whole group of people infected with shame. Do you remember hearing with your own ears or seeing with your own eyes someone, maybe your parent or your older sibling or your friend's parent, say something like, oh, I used to be young and fit. Now I'm just an old fat person. Or maybe it was a coach or a teacher. Learn this or else you'll end up stupid and struggling. Maybe it was first given to you in a really direct way. Your family doesn't have the money to do that. How embarrassing. We use shame as a motivator, as an excluder, as a parameter, as a weight and measure. We pass it around from person to person and step back to compare our goods with others. It's become so normal that when companies use shame to advertise, we buy their damn products, right? We eat it up. All the ways we're not enough as we are, and the ways that that good or service can help us be enough. While you're probably the most familiar with body shaming ads, like getting beach body ready, or reduce, trim, tuck, and perfect, Think about the ads of moms hiding the box their frozen dinner came in so their company won't know and they didn't cook from scratch. Or the product or service that implies everyone else knows something that you don't and then illustrates that very clearly by putting a regular person in a group of others laughing at and shaming them because they don't use that product or service. We are surrounded by shame because somewhere along the way, Someone told us, this is normal. And shame is so good at clinging to its host, you guys, which is us, that it makes us second guess ourselves when we don't feel it. Like, seriously, we're shamed when we don't feel shame. Uh, Like the time in class when someone said, I'm so dumb. And your friends joined in or your classmates joined in and then all look to you for your own confirmation. But you didn't actually think that. You thought, well, actually, I really like this class, or I enjoy the teacher. I enjoy learning this subject. I'm doing pretty well in it. But all my friends are acting like they have to be dumb, and this class has to be stupid. So I guess so, too. 
Or, uh, and as a mom, holy Hannah Montana, this happens a lot. You're sitting in a play date or you're talking on a mom's group on the internet. And one of the moms brings up some unspoken rule of motherhood that you had no clue even existed. Everyone goes around the room or makes all these comments saying, oh, yeah, me too. And then when it gets to you, you're still confused, mind you, about this rule. You're feeling maybe a little bit embarrassed. You take on the shame of not doing that 78th thing and feel additional shame because you didn't even know it was a thing. If you're not eating clean, shame. If you're not wearing clothes that are the current trend, shame. If your home is lived in, shame. Oh, you didn't cook dinner from scratch tonight, shame. Or you ate out tonight three times this week, shame. Your kid's acting up or got in trouble or is living a lifestyle differently than the one you or your friends and family live, shame. Shame, shame, shame. It's freaking everywhere, right? It's a rite of passage. It's a popular trend. Another way in a long list to compare people. Maybe part of why we shame ourselves is to get the drop on others. You know, I know I do this. This is a huge reason that I shame myself and have shamed myself. Like if we're the first person to point out how messy our house is, then it won't hurt as badly as when our friend does. Even if it comes at the price of overlooking the absolute madness of the last month and all the things we've been quietly carrying and surviving, none of those things matter as much as being the first to say, this place is a disaster. I know I'm a mess, but I'm working on it. Like in Pitch Perfect, when Amy says she calls herself Fat Amy so other girls won't do it behind her back. Do you see better the scope of shame? Look at your life. Can you see shame there? Can you name three things or areas of your life that you feel shame around or in? How is that shame spread? Was it modeled to you or did someone give shame to you directly? Or did you give it to yourself or model it to yourself by getting the jump on somebody else? A devastating side effect of shame occurs in family relations. And that side effect is systemic shame. Family systems theory states that the family is a whole unit made up of smaller parts, which is each family member. And we can understand those smaller parts by looking at their role in the large group. So we can better understand Sally and what she's going through when we look at her whole family. We learn a lot from family systems, like how to pattern our interaction with each other, names to call each other like dad, mom, and other rules of how to treat each other, like we don't yell in this house or it's okay to hit each other. Shame in this system is often seen in generational work and specifically in generational trauma. A wound occurs in a family member, that part is hurting. Therefore, the family system as a whole is struggling to find its normal pattern. Did great-grandma Sally have a baby before marriage in a time that was shamed and frowned on? Was she then viewed as a second-class citizen, even subtly, where brothers and sisters could make fun of and further shame her? Then when she got married, was she presented with a partner that treated her the same way? Because remember, the system, the unit, the family, and Sally learned to treat her in that subtle shaming way. And did that impact your entire family, even generations later, in the way women are treated in your home or the way we feel about ourselves as women in that home? This could be applied to every family, really. 
Because somewhere in your family history, someone did something that was shamed or quote unquote shameful. And as a way to protect themselves, they hid. They retreated and buried their feelings deep down, or they were told to bury their feelings. Or maybe they didn't bury their feelings and maybe they coped with alcohol or substances. But that shame, because we never dealt with it, we never spoke to it, that shame was still whispering. It was still being passed around and used to measure. And even now, years later, it could be telling you, your family, a story that isn't true. When we step back and realize that shame has been taught to us in the intimate and personal ways of our thinking and feeling, it can be devastating. So what can we do about it? Because this sucks. I don't want to just accept that this is how we live. Well, I have an idea and there are some steps to it. One, we have to identify shame. You guys, we have to call it by its name. We have to speak to the shame because it wants to stay quietly hidden. So we have to shine a light on it and say, hey, you, I see you. You don't belong here. Episodes one and two of Speaking to Shame have some great tools and resources for identifying shame within yourself, as well as how to mitigate its future involvement in your life. Second, we have some tools to use against it. Remember episode four, where we get curious? Start asking shame questions, right? Start pushing it. Stop blindly accepting what it says and just even entertain that there's another way to live. Entertain the thought that you don't have to stay in this shame-filled place. Another option with less shame and self-loathing does exist. Keep questioning shame until that option feels more attainable. And third, keep talking. Keep saying, um, excuse me, shame. Ah, that's not cool. (laughs) Keep pointing it out and demanding it to answer your questions. Recognize it in the conversations that you have, the things you read, the dialogue you have with yourself and others. Don't let it off the hook. Like a muscle that you'd like to strengthen, get really good at calling shame out. Sometimes I forget that I have a platform, an outlet to talk about this all on. Like, am I really able to share my thoughts on the quietly erosive qualities of shame? Yeah, I am. I very often have the thought, I really wish I could talk about this with someone, have a conversation about it and learn from each other. And then part of me is like, hey, that's literally your job. (laughs) That's literally what you do. Something I'm seeing repeatedly is people's need to talk about this, about the times they felt alone and forgotten, isolated and unseen and not enough. I get your messages and emails on Instagram. I have daily conversations with you about your heartache and the shame that came along with it. It's an honor to hold space for that part of you. It really is. And I promise I take great care with the parts of your heart that you share with me. The other day, my husband, Nathan, was talking to me about the podcast. He said, Em, it would be such a great idea if you had people send in their experiences with shame and talked with them about it on an episode. I was like, babe, uh, that's what I do when I interview people. And he replied with, no, honey, I mean like a segment, a regular part of your show that you talk someone through their shame and ways to cope with it. Immediately, I caught the vision, you guys. I saw the connection and growth this brought our community. Because while my interviewees are wise and incredible, and I have my own experiences with shame, 
We can't all feel everything, you know? There are things we can only learn by listening to each other. So let's learn together. If you have some shame to speak to, I'd love to listen. Shame coaching will be an intuitive and personalized way for you to gain some insight and ideas, along with lots of validation and some poor jokes. Uh, That's not shame. I know my limitations. Okay, it's all right. (laughs) If you're interested in sharing your story of shame, email me at m at helloemilysteerman.com. And another thing my husband always tells me is (laughs) you got to clarify what your email is. So it's em at helloemilysteerman.com. It's okay, honey. I think they know it's not just the letter M, but thank you for your help. (laughs) And don't worry if you're having visions of sharing your deepest, darkest secret with the world. (laughs) You can rest easy and take a deep breath. (laughs) Shame shows up for us all in plenty of ways at plenty of depths. Share what feels right. No shame is too small. Can we eradicate shame? I really think we can. Like, guys, I really think we can. Are we there yet? Unfortunately, no. But these conversations are the beginning of that exact thing. Three years into my journey, and I live with much less shame than I did when I started. My hope is that. My kids, your kids, our kids, us right now will live with less shame than we have previously. As we all work hard to not give as much to each other and also model ways of calling shame by its name. On the days where it feels overwhelming to speak to shame, to go through the healing and uncovering of the parts that have been hurt by shame, I'm here. This community is here. And we're all talking about this difficult and heavy stuff. Your fight was never alone, but now you can really take comfort in never being alone. It's a worthwhile fight, my friend. To live whole and free is an attainable thing for you. And I'm so grateful for any part of that dream I can help you achieve. I'm your host, Emily Stearman, and this is Speaking to Shame. I can't wait to rediscover who we were before shame told us we weren't enough. I can't wait to find those parts of us that need healing, that feel unfindable and unlovable, and remind them that shame is not our truth, 